With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. As driven, ambitious Christian entrepreneurs, how do we grow our business in a way that honors Christ? From seeking Him first in all of our business dealings, being surrendered to His will, and knowing exactly where and how we can make an impact through our business for the furtherance of His kingdom. Welcome to the Christian Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, and these are just some of the topics my guest and I will be discussing in the hope that we may inspire and empower you to walk strongly in your faith so you can build a thriving business that honors Him in every way. Let's dive in. And welcome to another episode. Now, my guest today says people are caught in the valley of decisions regarding their identity in ministry versus the marketplace. This is because we don't have a clear understanding of the kingdom. Ministry and marketplace are territories and the kingdom assignment requires us to be strategically positioned so that we can have influence, authority and impact in both. Now, speaking more about this and joining me on today's show is Joy Pittman. Joy helps businesses as well as ministry leaders move from vision to execute through team building, through strategy development and execution planning. Now, specifically on today's show, Joy is going to share how to blend biblical principles with strategic planning. She's going to share the tools and insights that faith leaders need to make their vision thrive, as well as answering the question, how can the Joseph principle help us? So welcome to the show, Joy. Hi, how are you? And thank you so much, um, Emery, for having me on. Oh, look, I am well and thrilled that you're joining me today. Love this topic. I wonder, Joy, can you give us um, an overview of how did you get into this? Was it um, a gradual, uh, you know, um, journey or did you just find yourself in this workplace doing this wonderful work uh, from, from the beginning? Tell us a little bit about your story. Um, so it was uh, over time and all at once at the same, <laughs> at the same time. And so essentially, um, and to keep it succinct, I grew up in the Baptist church. My grandfather was a pastor of a church um, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and at the time, I remember growing up in the church, um, he had a real heart for missions and for um, they started housing development as part of the church. There was a bridge program to connect people to finish their educations in college, people that may have dropped out to go back through and get their back on track and go back to college. My grandmother was an educator. So my understanding of church growing up was that it was both spiritual and natural. Like it helped people thrive in their natural lives, but it was also where we went for our spiritual growth. Um, so, you know, my inspiration to go to college, my introduction to public speaking um, through Bible verses, all that stuff happened within the church context. Um, as I got older and um, my grandfather passed away, church transitioned, um, and I started navigating through Pentecostal or different denominations of faith, um, what I found or what I began to hear was that um, I was too analytical. I was analyzing too many things. I asked too many questions, the way I viewed things. And so that was attributed to, in many instances, a lack of faith. 
because I wanted to understand how things worked and wanted to understand the underpinning. Um, and it felt like I was being told just to hope that it would happen, but not really being connected to what those tools look like. And so um, I left church for a while um, from the perspective of I would go, but I really focused on how I was building my career. So I focused mm -hmm. on my career. I focused on my degree. I focused on um, moving my career through. So I worked in the field of human resources for about 20 years um, and just kind of did that work and got credentialed and did those things. Um, and in 2019, actually, I um, was thinking and talking through really my passion for like, I really love the black church and I love church and I love, um, but I looked at urban ministries with a different passion because of how they serve communities um, and what that looked like. And so I was really like, I'm really, I care for it, but I just don't know where I fit. I feel like I care about it, but I'm too critical of it. And I really didn't know how it worked. And so I was doing something at the time called the joy ride, um, and in that time, um, it really fell on my heart in the February of 2019 to do faith-based February. And what I actually began to talk about was some of the things that I had learned in navigating team building and organizational design, like how those things really had relevance in how we built churches and planted churches and what church growth would look like if we really absorbed those thoughts. And um, it got some buzz. Um, we titled it When Faith Meets Strategy. People liked the name of it. Um, and so I was like, okay, we'll do this. I did one or two events. People barely showed up. Um, I got very discouraged and I was like, nope, you can have it. Um, and what I didn't realize at the time was that God was giving me almost like Noah built an ark before rain yes. came 2020 of February, New York starts shutting down because we're in a global pandemic. And that's the area that I was talking to. And so people started going, wait, where's, where's the thing you were saying? And at that time I was discouraged from it. Um, I had exited my job and started my HR firm called HR for the culture. So I was worried about that. Like we're walking into a pandemic and I just left my job and started a business. What is happening? Um, and gratefully HR for the culture flourished. Um, we had six figures in our first six months. Um, we've continued to grow from there. So those that hit, but it just something felt like I was still neglecting something. Like I left the stove on yeah. at home and I went down the block with this. I know the stove is on. It kept bothering me. And so um, uh, Facebook memories came up. One of my friends basically was like, we need to do this again. And I was like, I don't want to do it with it again. And she was like, you need to do it again. And so I started talking about it. The difference for me was this time. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this <laughs> piece up, um, was that, what the difference for me was is that now I had not just as an employee, but as an entrepreneur, marketplace success. Like I understood what it was to do this thing. I felt more confident. But the difference for me at this particular time um, was that I had stopped thinking of it as segments and started mm -hmm. really understanding it, even through my reading of the Bible through a different lens or whatever, understanding that. God wasn't necessarily calling the ministry over there and the marketplace over here, that how we think about kingdom expansion is both spiritual, it is both economical, it is, it is, it is physical, right? It is mental, it's all those things. And so we were living at a deficit as believers. Um, as a Christian entrepreneur, I'm living at a deficit when I don't embrace that God is my competitive advantage in the marketplace. Yeah. That no matter what the algorithm says, right, that he is my competitive advantage. As a ministry, I am living beneath my ability to impact the world for God's glory as we are commanded. When I don't think about structuring this as a business and thinking about what it is to be profitable because we need money at times to be impactful, right? So mm -hmm. each of us were living beneath 
our privilege by living separate. And so when faith meets strategy um, kind of became this place that this is about kingdom. And so it's not an either or, it's a both and. Um, yes. and it's necessary to push forth the kingdom agenda. Yeah, I love that. And I'm so glad I asked the question before just diving in because what we can really take from that is uh, – is really to become empowered, I think, particularly if we're still, if someone's listening or watching or even the recording and still feels that they're in the journey of, well, where do I fit? How do I fit? I've got all of these experiences. And often the Lord will guide you through that because, as you said, you are, there is so much more richness in what you have to offer and bring that the experiences that the Lord led, led you down and, uh, um, Amazing, amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So let's dive in and talk about blending biblical principles with strategic planning. And by the way, before you answer that, I get it about asking questions and the strategy. I mean, you, you can't have, not have that. I think there are people there such as yourself that bring and, and allow us to expand on what we're doing through the gifts and talents that uh, you bring to the conversation. So uh, appreciate for you for uh, continuing to, you know, to walk in the path that the Lord has for you. So biblical principles and strategic planning, what do we need to know, Joy? Got you. So I believe um, in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, my spirit, that God, the Holy Spirit, they are master strategists. Um, mm -hmm. And so oftentimes um, we read the Bible for this. And then I was told to go get a book for that. Right. So go get the book to understand strategic planning and go get a textbook to understand this part. But the Bible is just for how you live your daily life. And God, um, I know it's God um, in how, as I started reading the Bible, I started seeing biblical principles in the Bible. Mm -hmm. um, not necessarily I heard it taught that way, but I began to see biblical principles. So I'll give an example. Like when I look at the story of Genesis, um, when you walk through that story, when you get to the part where God decides to make man, um, I, as I'm reading the story, I see a job description. I see an employee mm -hmm. avatar right, where God is saying, let us make man in our image. So he's clear about who it is that he wants to bring. And then he's saying, let him, you know, have dominion and let him subdue. So I'm like, oh, he wrote a job description, right, for man in that. But what I began to see bigger was God walked into something that was formless and void, right? So I'm looking at a business model where some of our businesses are not clear. And what he did was he started to create order. He started to create structure. He started to identify um, what existed that could be utilized, right? So let's separate the light from the darkness. Let's separate the water from the dry land. So there was something there, even though it looked empty, that God could begin to work with. And then once he got that structure, then he started creating, right? So I was like, well, we can't create until we organize what exists, right? Then he started creating. And then as he started creating, once he created a framework for man to work in and to be in, then he entered man. And so I was actually teaching onboarding and hiring models through a Genesis lens in saying you're bringing your people in too early. You haven't come in, you haven't structured, right? You haven't created the framework for man to work in. And so it began the story of Noah, the story of Nehemiah. More recently, um, God has been taking me through the story of Joseph and Pharaoh, um, but really looking at within these models, David and Nebuchadnezzar, their actual principles, um, um, uh, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba, Right. And how he she comes, she hears about him. When we think about marketing, right? She heard about him in another place, came to see what the hype was about, right? Um, when she got there to see what the hype was about, she noticed, she looked around, she surveyed what was going on. So there were so many, I just started seeing business in yes. these Bible stories. And what it did for me is that it made reading richer. Because yeah. I guess I was walking away with God could, but it began to be this thing where not only am I reading from a faith perspective to see what God could do, I'm reading it to see what he did do. 
right? Mm -hmm. There's actual action in that reading, in that work. And so I really, it reignited my faith. It shifted my prayer life. Um, it shifted how my excitement to read the word of God. I mean, so that's when we start thinking about that biblical perspective is that I think that no matter what books you read in the external, it's great. The yeah. Bible literally has. Oh, it's a gold mine of insight, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, when you think of God's creation in nature, isn't it? Each of the seasons and the plants, the human body has yeah. the ability to heal, give it the right environment yes. Yes. and it can heal. Every yeah. intricate part of our bodies are, are so beautifully, delicately uh, made. There is a strategy and a plan. And as we know, the Bible verse, you know, at your plans, and your thoughts are higher than than ours. So take us through then, if you will, if, because there may be some people who are listening who may yet have to get to the stage, if you will, of seeing biblical principles and strategic planning. What was it for you, Joy, that you, you suddenly realised, oh, my goodness, there is real incredible insights, far greater insights, you know, and I, we can use that in our day-to-day -day life. What was it for you? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it um, uh, mystical, right? It really mm -hmm. was, it just illuminated. Um, yeah. We know the scripture says like the letter killeth and the, you know, spirit giveth life. I think that when we read, um, all of us will read something or see something through our lens. Yeah. Um, so I think that part of this is that this is part of my assignment. And so as I'm reading it, it's what I was looking at. But I also think that we have a tendency, and I think this is maybe something that we learn how to do. Um, that we tend to read the Bible almost like we read novels. So I, I will be guilty of if I'm reading a novel, I'm read skimming. You know, like I'm following the storyline, I'm moving through the stuff, but I'm not really diving into the intricate details or asking why was that so? You know, um, you know why why did that happen on day three? What's the story behind why God chose day four? And I think that what happens is that when we don't actually consider God as an intellectual being. If we don't actually consider that God is brilliant, he's smart, mm -hmm. he is um, strategic, he is calculated, right? He's methodical. When we don't think about that, we just think we're reading about one, two, three, four, five, right? Yeah. But there was a structure and a flow to almost everything. So if you go in with the lens of saying, you'll look for, you'll find what you're looking for. My dad used to say, and it's not the, it's not, uh, the most eloquent phrase, but he was like, if you, if you look in a toilet, you'll find poop. Right. Like when you look in a certain place, you're going to find what you're looking for. If you look at the word of God with the context or the lens that God is brilliant and strategic and thoughtful and mindful and that nothing is haphazard and nothing is random and that he has been orchestrating right from the beginning of time, things to connect in that Old Testament prophecy speaks to New Testament revelation. All those things work together. Then I stop reading, trying to read the whole Bible. I mean, I'm not knocking this, but I, I make it less of a of a of a of a trophy to read the whole bible in a year to get through it and i start identifying like how am i going through each verse how mm. am i unpacking sentences to really understand what those mean am i looking up the actual original hebrew and greek meaning of these words like what mm. does that mean because now i'm engaged oh, yeah. that, right um it says that i think the scripture that basically says it's the um, the glory of God to, to conceal a thing and it's the honor of the kings to search it out, right? So I believe that there's a space where he wants us actually, when we like, seek me in my word, it's not mm -hmm. just read three scriptures every day, but That's like true. delve into yeah. God, what were yeah. you saying? Why did you do it this way? Um, and I think, so that, I don't know what birthed that hunger, 
Um, so I will say that maybe that maybe that was God drawing me back in and saying, this is how I get her to get back to connect connected to me. And it worked. Right. But whatever that was, it just got me in a place. What I'm blessed about is that every single time I um, have been able to share in a face strategy conversation about a text, at least one person writes back and says, oh, my gosh, I need to read my Bible differently. Yeah, like, I, know, I get it. I totally get it. Um, I, I remember happy. Yeah, years ago, I remember, and and this will still often happen. Joy, they'll be reading a passage in in uh, you know in church or so, and then something will catch my eye, and I'll go, oh, so I'm at the back of the Bible and looking at all the other verses, going from one to this. I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm on a whole different yeah. journey, and it is. I mean, there is there. It, just even a statement, you know, one verse of the Bible, when you dwell on it, meditate on it and look at the context of what's happening, there is such a deeper meaning. And I think the Lord, you know, um, I think even in Revelation says, as you continue to read this word and go through the study, I'm paraphrasing, of yeah. course, there is seek and you shall find you know the answer was there and I think son is the Holy Spirit just waits and as you said the lens the lens get clearer and clearer and clearer and then all of a sudden you'll read a verse and it'll hit you right there isn't it it's just like man um and that's how we yeah we look at the word I mean as we say the word is the, the sword of the spirit yes. um it does not return to the Lord void and as far as strategy and planning and wisdom and insights I mean, how often as businesses we try and rattle our minds and coming up with things with rather, as you said, we have a competitive advantage. Ask the Lord. He's probably got an answer. An, well, he does have an answer. And often it's because we haven't asked yeah. or we continue to, you know, um, yeah. struggle on our own. So thank you so much for sharing that. Beautiful. And such an encouragement for when we look at the word and read the word, Take our time, you know, and meditate on on each word and phrase. It uh, will certainly give you a, a deeper meaning to what was, uh, you know, the stories around that. Let's talk about uh, the tools and insights that faith leaders need to make their vision thrive. What do we need to know here, Joy? Got you. So one of the things um, that uh, really registers to me is that most of the time as visionaries, we see a thing. Um, so we see, we have a vision, we have an idea. Um, what God began to show me over the last couple of months is that the vision normally does not solve a problem, right? Your vision doesn't solve a problem. It actually introduces a new problem mm -hmm. because now you have this thing that you either have to aspire to, to create, to see, and now you have wherever you are, you you're mm -hmm. here, it's there. And now the problem is how do we get there? Um, and so oftentimes understanding what tools we need is embedded in understanding what the, the gap is, what is the the difference, right? So either it is proximity, right? That I'm supposed to be doing this thing that's all the way over there and I'm all the way back here. And so I need the tools to get me there or it's preparation that God is showing me some end state and I am not necessarily in this current moment prepared for it. What I do realize is that leaders have access to people. If you don't have people, you're not a leader. A leader without followers is just somebody taking a walk, right? And so you, leaders have human currency all the time around them. What we often tend to do as leaders, especially as visionary leaders, is try to figure out all the solves on our own. And God kind of like dropped in my mind that the see and the solver don't have to be the same person. The person that is able to see the issue is not always the person that needs to be the right one to solve it. So some of the things that we have at our disposal, one, we have the Holy Spirit, right? We have God, the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us into all truth. 
Secondly, we have access to human capital, to people who have their own brilliance, their own talents, their own capabilities. But oftentimes what we do is that we get stuck somewhere in that Habakkuk two and two where we don't really write the vision, nor do we make it plain, right? And it says so the reader can run with it. So the people who actually see it can run or to take action. And so oftentimes we stay stuck trying to fix all the things and then present it to people when we really should be leading and guiding and deputizing people, right, to walk forward in what it is. So we have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to people. Um, And then also, I think at times we don't necessarily realize how much we do have access to marketplace tools, Um, that when we are thinking about um, our churches and what it is that our churches are intended to do, it is serving. I have a friend that says it's service and service, right? So we start thinking about the church perspective is, yes, what do I do on a Sunday or Wednesday, whenever you're having a Saturday, whenever you're having your, your core gatherings? But then what is the service that the church provides? So churches can operate like not-for-profit organizations nine times out of 10 and provide a service that will give it access to revenue and currency, right? So we don't have to only rely on our constituents because every church doesn't have a constituent base that has deep pockets, right? Like some of us are in communities where the community doesn't have to give. And so we need to be a reverse resource to the community. So I think that oftentimes we undervalue, actually, I think we undervalue the leading of the Holy Spirit outside of service, right? In a traditional sense, we undervalue the value of the people that God has assigned to us. Um, And we box them into either being uh, just members or just, uh, clergy, right? Like in in a box of, we don't, I've been to churches where no one even asked me what I did for a living. No one ever asked me what my other giftings were. If I wasn't singing on praise team or ushering or doing some type of in-church service, what else do you do? Right. And so we leave a lot of that on the table. And then we don't necessarily think about as ministries, we have knowledge and information. We have a pulse on community. And why are we not leveraging that, right, to go after funding and grant opportunities and opportunities to really empower the communities that we sit in? Um, And so um, there's built in that as political power and all that thing that's connected with people. But I just think those are areas that we leave very um, neglected. And I totally agree, because when you look at and and we going right back to what you were saying earlier around how God is a strategist and he has a plan, there's nothing that is not thought through, you know, nothing is random when it comes to the Lord. And then when you think of a church versus, say, business and marketplace, you would have a strategy, you would have a business plan, you would have a lot of structure in place, yet try to to say to, to some churches, not all, of course, but oh. to say we really need to have the strategy and run it more like a business, not that you might maybe use a different term. Mm-hmm. People would be horrified to think, oh, my goodness. But here's the thing, as you just said, and I think this is brilliant and such a, a huge reminder for us, if we don't have the right strategy or support in place, we're not going to be able to have people come and contribute their gifts and talents for ongoing growth, are we? Because, yeah, they're just one. And let's speak into that a little bit more. What should then um, a church do when it comes to uh, strategic planning so that they can continue to grow and use all of the gifts and talents of, of its members? Yeah, so one of the things, um, and it's built into, um, and I don't want to skip us, right, but it's built into some of what I talk about, the Joseph Principle, I talk about certain things. Um, One of the things that I'm actually hyper interested in um, is the idea that we utilize biblical principles and structures and elevate them with our placement, right, and our connection to God. So, for example, strategic planning. 
Yeah. Um, we should be strategic planning too. The differentiation is we're not strategic planning amidst, mm. right? We have access to God, to the Holy Spirit that can give us information that says like, hey, this is what's coming down the pipeline. Hey, here's what you should be preparing for. Here are the things. It says that he doesn't take actions unless he reveals it first to his prophets, right? So there are people who know, right, that God has given some, vo given some inclination of what may coming down the pipeline. Mm. So then our strategic planning is not right? The way a business does. And like, we're going to sell five of these and four of those, but it's actually saying, here's the impact that we want to have in our community. And what does it require of us? What needs to be true for us to have that level of impact? What funding do we need to have? Right. We also need to think about when we start thinking about that planning component is, and I, I use this as an example, if you look at most churches budgets, um, and this, this may vary. A lot of budget right now is being spent on media um, mm -hmm. and music. So music and media are kind of leading on our budget lines. So you have a church that talks about we do foreign missions, but if all your money is focused on your media ministry and your music, unless you're pivoting that to your foreign missions, you're actually not funding what you say is your mission or your core value. So oftentimes the strategic planning will pull us out of some of the the, the, the cyclical nature or the complacency of like, we just do this thing every year. And it forces us to reevaluate why are we doing this thing? What is the value of this thing, right? Why is this thing necessary? Why is the thing that we're doing now? And it forces us to really think about what does this year need to look like? What is the impact we desire to have? Um, I don't like putting metrics on certain things, but yeah, how many souls do we, do we plan to encounter? How many souls do we plan to win? When we look at even how Christ did, he numbered. Right. When they when he fed the five thousand, they knew they were five thousand. Somebody accounted and identified the number of people that were there. So I think, you know, in those ways, if we're really thinking about being impactful, especially today, there is something to um, being thoughtful about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So we start thinking about what that looks like and then our strategies can bubble out. Um, I think about a lot, again, a lot of support for urban urban communities. And when we think about economic downturns, urban communities get hit. Right. We get hit in different areas. So if we can't give and the church is sustained on giving, the church is no longer sustainable. So what's the strategy to be sustainable outside of the tithe and offering model to say that if we ever have to shift now tithing, I believe, and offering is just a way that we give back our value to God. But what happens when that person's been tithing for 20 years and now they have a hard time and they've been tithing into a church that can't help them? Right. Mm -hmm. So how are we thinking about what are we thinking about what we do with the tithes and offering? Are we creating models where money can continue to generate? Are we treating our seed like fruit and eating it immediately? Or are we planting it back in the ground so it can bring forth more? Like, what are we doing? So those things, it doesn't make us less God centered. It doesn't make us less soul centered. It doesn't even make us less faith based because we're technically planning on God's word, which yeah. is the epitome to me. I, I Totally agree. And you know, as you're sharing that, one of uh, the things that I often you see happen in various churches, uh, there is a lot of work. There is a lot of work and it's often done by the few. Now, if we look at that through business, you have succession planning, you have training to be able to, to you know, the people that may not have experience but still have um, a gift and a talent that, that's not yet um, been nurtured, if you will, do we have those things? 
things in inside our church programs or, or or structure or do we just hope that people are going to put their hand up and say yeah yeah I'll do that but are we nurturing them and developing them so that we do have people um, to step in and 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 support and often it's not that they're not willing they just maybe feel uh, that they can't do that because they haven't been supported to grow and learn in that particular area and it's not clear like if I if I come into a, like, if we started this podcast and you never said, I didn't know the title, I didn't know the direction it was going. There's a bunch of stuff I could speak to, yeah, but I wouldn't know what to prepare to speak about because there was no structure given to me. So even when we bring people into our churches and let them know, here are our initiatives for the year, that gives people context to raise their hand in. If I don't have that context, all I know, like, may, I can't sing, I may not be a good usher, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not necessarily called to, to preach or to so I don't know what else I could be doing because we haven't even communicated to people what the possibilities are. What are our goals and endeavors? Yeah, love that. You've already touched on the Joseph principle. Uh, are there any other areas that you want to share regarding that before uh, we finish the show? Yeah, the biggest piece of the Joseph principle um, that stands out to me is really, it, I feel like it it underscores the intersection of faith and strategy. It underscores that. If you look at that story really succinctly, Pharaoh has a dream, cannot interpret it. Um, and he says, I need somebody to interpret this dream. Joseph has been forgotten in prison. Um, the cupbearer remembers, oh, there's somebody I forgot about. Let me go get him. Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Joseph comes out. Joseph is immediately able and ready to solve a problem. Comes out of not the most ideal circumstance. Maybe prison prepared him to understand how to navigate scarcity, maybe all those things. But he comes out with a plan. What I love about the story is that Pharaoh hears the plan and says, anybody else wise enough to do this? Nobody? Joseph, here you go. And then Pharaoh begins to take the steps necessary to deputize Joseph to do the thing. He gives him the signet ring, which is the authority. He gives him, puts him in the chariot of his number two and rides him around and says, this is the person that I've set up, right? He gives him a wife, right? He gives him partnership or support, right? In the work that he was doing. Gives him fine linens, gives him clothes, gives him the things to go do the thing. What's beautiful about this story um, is that when you look at the longevity of the story, Joseph not only comes up with a plan for sustainability, right, that supports his family and supports actually an entire kingdom of people. But then they get to a point where the people run out of money. And so Joseph's like, OK, let's do cattle. Joseph now builds a barter business right in the middle of this process. He then goes forward when they run out of cattle and they say, buy our land. Now they're coming back and saying, buy our land. They're bartering in. And if you look somewhere at the end of the story, it says, and to this day, the one fifth principle that Joseph set in place where a fifth of all things, almost a tithe of things goes back to maintain the kingdom was set up. And even in the stories until we woven, the priests didn't have to give up their land. So God still had provision, right, for his priests, for his people that were speaking forward for him in the midst of this marketplace story. Um, and when we look at that story and really understand, I think it's a beautiful story um, of leadership being able to say, God gave me this vision. How do, I how do I find and deploy the people that are meant to strategically move it forward? Our church is already, God has already provided. I know we like the sometimes the rhyming, there's provision for the vision. We say those things, but literally God would not give us something without giving us an answer to a solution. And when we think about the different downturns that we've navigated as people, as human beings, right? They were walking into a famine. And so what beautifully would it have been for us to be able to come up with those type of solutions, to be able to build sustainability in the midst of, right, all this loss? 
Um, the Israelites flourished in Egypt for years until, you know, they arose a Pharaoh did not know, right? So we go past that point, but there's a beautiful story of just really how the leadership story in there, there's a marketplace. How do you pivot? There's a pivot story, right? In that story of how you pivot and stay, stay relevant, right? Even as the needs are changing, as the economic times are changing, there's a story about what it is. Um, to come from humble beginnings and walk into a leadership role, but really be confident. There's so much beauty in that story. I won't get into all of it. What I would like to leave people with um, is two things is that remembering as leaders and as visionaries, just because you see it doesn't mean that you have to be the one to solve it. There are solvers in your midst, right? And so it's up to you to speak the dream out, to be confident and willing enough to say, I don't see it all. I don't understand it all. Pharaoh was a king that had to admit he didn't know. Right. And so he was able to invite that expertise in. Um, and it's also a story for those of us that feel like we just been locked up. Our potential has been locked up. I don't know what to do. I believe that pharaohs are going to continue to dream dreams and that those giftings in people that don't look conventional or traditional. Right. Yeah. Are going to start being unlocked. And it's all about the kingdom and for the advancement of the kingdom and the glory of God. Mm -hmm. I think that no matter what the world will look like and whatever downturns are coming, God is providing for his people. Yeah, um, and Joseph and the pharaohs are going to make sure that that takes place. Yeah, amen. And if we're looking for strategy or so forth, stop turning to the books. That there are great books out there. Go to the Bible. What strategy? Because guaranteed, there will not be other people that will be doing the same thing. Because you know, ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to show you and reveal um, new understandings and insight mm -hmm. through the things that you've read. And uh, it's exciting, exciting. I have loved today's conversation, Joy. How can people find out more about you, your work, and what you do? Gotcha. So um, if you want to know about When Faith Meets Strategy, I try to keep it very simple. WhenFaithMeetsStrategy.com. It's on Instagram, Facebook. Um, if you're looking for me, um, I am the joy you need on social media. So if you look on Instagram or things of that nature, it is the joy you need. Um, and then if you're a small business and HR support, it's HR for the culture. Everything okay. is spelt the way it is. But right now for this particular conversation, When Faith Me Strategy is where I would recommend that you go. Um, and really um, look at your word. Um, I really want to encourage every person on here, just go find a scripture that's toiled with you, that you kind of skipped over, didn't really make sense, and really ask God to illuminate it and just show it to you a little differently um, and really dig in. I mean, um, someone has written when faith me strategy in the comments.com. Yeah, absolutely. We've had some incredible people who've, uh, yeah. who have uh, shared. Let's just add a couple of their names here. So, Nicole, she has been here all along. We have uh, Nelvin, thank you for joining us. Connie, wonderful, wonderful. And uh, Ty as well, thank you for following through. I'm sure you've been just as blessed um, as uh, I have and those I know that will be listening to uh, to the show as well. And all of the details are there. Thank you for putting those down there, uh, Connie. One of the things that I do at the end of every show of this, ep uh, this uh, podcast Podcast is just to finish with a word of prayer. Joy, may I do that uh, today? Fantastic. Father God, thank you for the opportunity that we had today to speak to Joy and uh, for the insights and just what she shared today. It's just been incredible, uh, Father, that we have just been reminded of when we really go into your word and when we ask your Holy Spirit to share with us uh, new insights, things that we haven't seen before, just how rich and deep and what an amazing strategist you are. There is no problem in this world, Lord, that you have not already got a resource for or an answer for. And it was wonderful that Joy reminded us of that today. Father, may 
may we have faith that is so deep and wide, it is immeasurable in what we know, who you are and what is possible in and through you, Father. And if anyone is listening or even the recording later that are struggling with that. We hope that today's uh, conversation has uh, inspired and empowered them. Father, will you continue to work, bless the work that Joy is doing uh, and multiply that. This message is so important and uh, let that get out to as many people as and bless as many people as possible. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming on the show again, Joy. It's been it has been a joy, a real treat. It's very early for us here in the morning, uh, this morning, and quite cold. So the opposite end of of uh, the day for us and you. But uh, it's been a, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's Anne-Marie. Before I go, are you a coach or a consultant who feels like the world's best kept secret? Your experience is vast, yet secretly you're frustrated because despite all of your hard work, you're just not getting the visibility, the recognition or new clients you'd hope for and you don't know why. I've created a free resource that'll help you build visibility, generate leads and enroll dream clients with ease because you're seen as a trusted authority, even in a crowded marketplace. And you've positioned yourself as the choice versus just a choice for your dream client. To get started, go to annemariecross.com forward slash gift. That's annemariecross.com forward slash gift. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.